Well, Lockton is over and the football is back here. And we are back again on the NPL Sunday show for the Brisbane football. We've got Adam with you as always. And Adam, we're back. Yeah, it's actually good to have some football on. And uh, yeah, the uh, lockdown last week, uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't much fun to have no football on. So glad to be back and out, out amongst it. Yeah, watching some of those egg ball things. You can only so much that you can watch, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, give me my local football any time, I say. Absolutely. There's plenty to look forward to that in the next seven days. Just catch up games and cap our Super Women's Cup games coming up next week. But we'll continue. We'll start a big problem with the with the regularly scheduled games for the weekend in the NPL men's competition, starting in round 16. And Adam, we'll start with the game which we the first of the two games which we attended tonight or Sunday. Brisbane Raw Academy hosted Lions FC at Lions, and for the first time in eight encounters, the Raw came out with the win. Two goals from Eli Adams gave them. Gave the Raw a well-deserved win. Yeah, look, a thoroughly deserved win as well. Uh, look, Brisbane Raw, uh, they they came they came close in the reverse fixture earlier in the season, but uh, yeah, they made a stick uh, in this round this uh, time, and it was uh, Eli Adams with the uh, with the brace as opposed to Alex Parsons scoring the brace uh, in round three. As well, Alex Parsons was there, but he wasn't involved in the fixture. To your point, it was two goals from Eli Adams, a goal back for Max Mikola the penalty spot for Lions leveled the scores 10 minutes into the second half but it was the aforementioned Eli Adams 15 minutes from time giving the Raw that win and we'll start with actually with Eli Adams while we're talking about him just 10th goal of the season so, so far and that's the third player for the Raw who've achieved that this season that's a it's, it shows you how potent that team is and in particular today I thought Eli Adams was almost unplayable yeah he was um and yeah, look, uh, it's it's uh, a rarity for I guess the uh, Brisbane Raw sides in the past uh, to actually not only have just one um, double-digit goal score, but actually have three, um, and two two active, and it just shows what impact that Alex Parsons had. He he was in double figures before he signed his professional contract. So so yeah, but this um, this attack is just it's just it's rampant. And um, look, I also thought uh, the other the other player who. Uh, in double digits, uh, Cyrus Demi. I thought uh, at least the assist for the first goal for um, for Eli. I thought that was that was a great piece of work um, to, to open up. So he's just he's showing also as well. Not only is he a, a proficient striker, but also as well he can lay it off and you know and, and get that you know, final pass. It was. It was a very good all-round performance from Cyrus. No goals tonight, but they've, there's been 14 of those for him so far this season. There's probably. Plenty more to come. It's a really well-rounded side. So we talked about this a, a lot with Ross. So I won't labour the point on it too much this week. But they're just a really well-rounded side at the moment, aren't they? They are, and I think uh, in particular, I think the, um, the the midfield. I think it's. I think we know we know how good uh, defensively they are. I thought. Uh, Quickly, I thought Hassan Ramazani was sensational this evening. Um, yeah, he was in absolutely everything. Um, we know how good their attack is, but I think that midfield three at the moment of um, Louis Zabala, Sam Klein, and Brandon McMorrow, I think they they were very very good as well today. Uh, so this aside at the moment, it's just they're, they're really playing well as a unit, as well as having those individual stars, you know, coming out. And um, look, Lions for their part, they. Their first half was not great uh, for, for them. Uh, second half was a lot better, especially uh, just before they scored the goal and just after. But, um, yeah, I think this is raw side. We're just a t- touch too good tonight. So we'll talk about lines in a minute. I want just one last thing on the raw in particular. This felt like a big 
a big step forward and a big moment for the Raw to me because we know they set themselves for this game, this challenge, and say, okay, Lions aren't the team they were in the last couple of years, but they're still a really formidable side, particularly when they play on their notional home ground there at Lions Stadium. And we know they set themselves for this game, Adam, and I think to be able to to do that and then to come out and perform in a big game like that, I think that's a really big step forward for what is a young group. Yeah, look, I think that's that's what sets them apart from previous um, previous squads. We thought last year's squad was very very good as well, um, but they they sort of didn't really knock off a big scalp uh, from from memory anyway. Uh, last season side, they were just very very good against the lower sides and beat the teams they should have. This is a team now that's you know, that's yeah you know, they've beaten Lions, um, and and they've got they've obviously have got, you know, sort of really coming on as far as, you know, they've been very competitive. They've taken points, you know, off Olympic. They've taken points, you know, you know off, um, who's, you know, Morton Bay. Well, I actually don't know. Sorry, they lost that game. But they said they, they are they are winning games and um, and performing against the top sides. And to get this bit of three points against the Lions, that's going to be, that's a massive kill for them as they sit in second place in the ladder. It is. We will talk about Lions in just a moment, but first let's hear what the Raw coach Chris Grossman had to say this evening after the Raw's 2-1 win over Lions in the NPL Round 16 clash at Lions Stadium. All right, I'm a very happy coach of the Raw Academy, Chris Grossman. Chris, you spoke to you a couple of weeks ago. You said you wanted a win here at Lions. You've got it. You must be absolutely delighted. Yeah, I'm delighted. I think, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been seven years. Uh, we've come here and been defeated and been defeated really badly, I think. Uh, you know, tonight... Uh, will enjoy um, I think the performers deserved it um, it's not taking away anything from Lions like they had the chances but we had to come here we had to fight we had to grind and uh, oh, it's another brick on the wall for our young group I think um, in relation to Lions they played a bit of a different shape today did you expect that or was that something that caught you a bit off guard yeah we did we've been working on a couple of things during the week and uh, you know there's a lot of teams transitioning to, to three at the back or five at the back or however you want to call it um, and it does pose problems so our boys had to to take some you know big learning lessons from what's hurt us in the past um, and if we're if we want to be successful we need to understand this we need to deal with it and we need to uh, to execute and to be honest tonight I think we left a few chances out there but I'm really happy with three points. Uh, Eli Adams, two goals tonight. It's, the te- it's his tenth for the season. That's three players you've got now in this team who've scored ten plus this year. That's, that's quite amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think uh, you know we, we encourage the boys to to play with freedom in the front third. I think when you've got you know the exciting players that we've got, I think you need to challenge them to be better and be. Uh, more efficient, execute better, um, and that's still where we're lacking. I think we created chances tonight. Cyrus had a couple of one-on-ones where he should have finished, and that will be the expectation of him at the next level. So he has to do that here, and uh, uh, we'll continue to keep challenging. I don't think it's any uh, any fluke that we've we've scored. I think it's 56 goals now. So we'll continue to keep pushing. It's not beyond Lendl. I think at the other end, our boys were tremendous tonight. Um, they stood up when they needed to, and uh, we rode our luck at times, which you have to do. And just finally, what does this result mean in the context of the season? I thought the second spot now is quite comfortable, but is that, what is the goal now for the rest of the games in the regular season? Is it try and catch Peninsula Power, or is it to secure that top two finish? Oh, I think you always have to. I think at the end of the day, we want to win. And uh, I know 13 points is a, is a long way to go, but um, we'll continue to keep doing what we're doing. I, don't, I think if we uh, if we say we're, we're happy with second, I think it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of good teams still around us. Olympic, um, Knights, Moreton Bay. Um, there's a lot of good teams still around us. Lions will continue to keep pushing. They'll uh, they'll never know when uh, when it is time to die. So 
um, we need to keep being being good and, and being efficient and strikers next week will be another one we need to stand up and be ready and uh, see what we can do because games don't get easy from here on. Guys, that's some good luck with strikers next week. Beautiful. Cheers, guys. And thank you to Chris once again for taking the time to talk to us there. He was obviously very happy in that interview after the game. And one coach who wasn't quite as happy was Darren Syme, coach of Lions. And we know they're not the side they were in in the last couple of years, but it just seemed like it just wasn't quite right. So there was a bit of a new formation, which I know they've been tinkering with the back three. And it just seemed like it's not quite gelling at the moment, doesn't it? No, and I think it's more of a case of, I think the where the problem lies is that I think uh, Finn Beekhurst in particular playing in that left wing-back role, he just seems to be a bit... Uh, a bit lost as far as you know when to go forward and you know and when to go back and defend. I know, I know he he sort of you know was being singled out a lot of time by Darren Syme for you know as far as you know for direction and sort of you know instruction. Um, look, um, Zach Maltby as well, who we know better as a you know, forward, you know a winger slash striker. Um, he's probably having a better time of it on the, on the right side. But yeah, look, there's nothing wrong with the 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 centre three. Um, obviously, a lot of experience in uh, Jared Simich and uh, Thompson. But, uh, yeah, I think that and also as well, losing uh, James Batty early as well as one of your screening midfielders as well probably didn't help the situation. I think we said at the time that, you know, this is when he came off, we thought, oh, this is trouble because it just left Jacob Minnett on his own um, to basically to do the screening. And when you've got two inexperienced uh, wingbacks as far as, you know, the nuances of that position. I'm not saying that like both players are very, very experienced as far as you know playing at all, but in those positions, it was always going to lead trouble, especially against a um, very fluent and uh, rampant raw. Yeah, I think it was a, it compounded the earlier problem, didn't it? Because obviously the raw scored early through LA Adams, then the, get the injury to James Batty, who has had a very unlucky season given he's missed a fair bit of football. I mean, it had Sean Carlos on the sideline; he was unavailable. So there is. And there is injury issues there, but I think with the wingbacks, I think it's more they're wingers. They're not they're not they're not fullbacks. They're wingers. If you know what I mean, they're yeah. they're attacking mm. wingbacks, which is which is fine. You can go you can go that way, but I just think you know I think the positioning that was it was that was the and it wasn't just I thought it was actually there were a couple of players who weren't. And one of the things you heard well, consistently was get further up the field, and I think as a, that seemed to be the thing that a fair few players that they were struggling with to me. Yeah, and look, and look, in theory as well, another player that's missing at the moment, Ethan Doherty, who um, he did play in the 23s game and returning from injury from uh, after Disney in the uh, FFA Cup tie against Brisbane City. But he, he came off just before half-time uh, in that game. So in theory, you know, Ethan Doherty and um, Sean Carlos, if, if not uh, James Batty as well, like I said, you, you have those two screeners, um, that that system all of a sudden becomes very very comes down at least a lot more more fluent. But um, without them, yeah, it is a real real struggle for them. It is, and look, it, it just it's it's just the inconsistency with them again once and again because two weeks ago they were really good against Gold Coast Knights and or three weeks ago now they were really good against Gold Coast Knights and it just it's just not there at the moment, is it for them that consistency? And that's what that's what's really holding them back. We know that they're at their best. Lions are still a team which can contend for a spot in and around the top four, but it's the consistency that's consistency that's just letting them down, isn't it? Yeah, and look, um, 
the Lions would go have been going right. Like they won four straight across all competitions up until this loss today. So it's not all doom and gloom. Um, that and that and that those scalps included you now a win over Gold Coast Knights in that run. So it yeah, it's sort of more you know a come back to earth more than oh it's a crisis uh, for for Lions, but. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's an interesting one because they they seem to be really exposed by um by the raw tonight, uh, which I think is actually probably more a credit to the raw than showing you know by their lofty standards you know lines you know sort of sort of their struggles at the moment because uh, I, th- I still think you know half the league we still be happy being in the position that lines in at the moment, but by their lofty standards it's um it's worrying. It is. We'll move on to another side who have very lofty expectations. That is Olympic. FC and they had a one-all draw at home to Morton Bay United game, which we did catch the majority of at Goodwin Park and a really goal from Daniel Leck and a really good finish from Lyndon Farr in the second half and what was a really good even contest between the two sides. Yeah, I think um, I think objectively uh, a point a point each is probably a fair result this game. This is just a very tight, tense, you know, two very very good, very well coached and disciplined teams and. Um, the opportunities are few and far between, and I uh, didn't. We didn't see the Daniel Leck goal. I, I read from. The, I think I read from the uh, description that it was a pretty uh, sort of yeah, a goal that you expect him to take. Uh, but Lyndon Fast goal in, in the 65th minute that was a cracking shot, and that, that's what it's be. That's what he's capable of. So it's sort of it's it's a shock, but not a shock. But um, yeah, look, a point each. Um, it doesn't help either team as far as their sort of um, their ladder ambitions go. But I think on the in isolation, I think this is probably a fair result for both sides. Well, we'll talk about the table in it at the end of the MPL recap, but I think it's probably a better point for Morton Bay than it is for Olympic. And I know that we caught up with uh, Royce Brownlee, and we'll hear from him in a minute, but he was certainly the happier of the two coaches, wasn't he? Yeah, no, I think um, being the away team, um, also as well, this would have been... Uh, this, this, this is a much better result for Morton Bay. Like, they've been towed up 4-1 and 4-0 by Olympic um, earlier this season, 4-1 in the league in just dreadful weather at Walter Park, and then 4-0 in um, in the early rounds of the FFA Cup. So to get a one-all draw at Goodwin Park, I think that's a, that's a good performance. Tonight. And you're right, I definitely think that Royce Brownlee is probably the happier of the two coaches. And speaking of Royce Brownlee, let's see what he had to say tonight, talking after their one-all draw away to Olympic FC. We're talking about the coach of Morton Bay United, Royce Brown. Royce, thanks for talking to us once again. Yeah, no, thanks, guys, for uh, being down here. It was a great, great night of football. It was one all draw of Olympic. Happy with the, the point at the end of that? Look, to be honest, away from home, you know, every team that comes here and can grab a point, we'll, we'll take it with both arms, you know. Tim, Olympic are a frightening side, you know. We've, we've played them twice and come unstuck twice. And the third time, you know, we, I thought we were hard undone by. I thought we nearly had a couple of chances there to come and get a win. Uh, you mentioned fighting. That was a really big thing in the game. Well, it's not, not to the fight, but to the fighting back in the game to get the, the equaliser. Was that something you really praised the way your side continues to fight back in games? Yeah, not definitely. It's, it's, it's something that we're actually working on, trying to be resilient, you know, and not getting caught up in the moment. You know, we've got a lot of young boys that we're trying to teach to stay composed and keep playing football and play our style of football. You know, today we've changed things up a little bit and modified our shape, but we still got forward and still attacked. We didn't just sit in and, and camp back and let, let Olympic come at us. We, you know, we took it to them as well. I'm missing all the young players. Some of the other end of the age spectrum, Matt Heath getting a start. How do you think he went up front? Yeah, look, it, it, that's his first 60 minutes, you know, since actually the whole year. So for me, that's a massive, massive boost to have him back in our ranks and, and to get him to, you know, keep building to go on there and take some pressure off young Zaki. Absolutely. You've got the trip to Mackay. Are you looking forward to getting away with the players? 
Yeah, we definitely look. It's, it's, it'll be a good um, bonding session for the boys. The only problem is we've been stitched up. We fly up on a Saturday, play on a Sunday at one o'clock, and then fly home straight after. So, you know, the bonding won't be like the uh, the rest of the boys that get up there. <laughs> not, not quite the same. Yeah, correct. It's an important game, though, isn't it, in terms of trying to get the points up there and to keeping in the race for the top four. Yeah, look, our focus, you know, has, has been: can we stick with the with the front four? You know, um, we get no coverage in the media. We get nothing. We're, we're sort of the quiet achievers at the moment. And everyone keeps talking about the big four teams. You know. Um, well, you know, Morton Bay we used to be the big four team, you know, when we won it years ago, you know, and we're starting to come back just because of the age of the players, you know. I think um, there's a few teams starting to become a little bit aware of us now. We'll see if we can get that coverage up in Morton Bay a little bit. Great on the point. Good luck next week in Mackay. Yeah, fantastic, guys. Thank you. And that's what Royce Brown had to say after the game there at Goodwin Park tonight. Adam, and looking for more media attention, I think as the mayor of Morton Bay, you need to um, lift your game. That's the message I took from that. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm really trying. You know, I'm hearing complaints that we cover too much Morton Bay um, on you know, in our coverage uh, on Brisbane Football Review. But um, but yeah, look uh, to his point as well that you know Morton Bay are one of the bigger clubs in MPL. They they are former champions um, and you know have qualified for the semi-finals a number of times. And um, they've gone from a, a powerhouse club to a club that you know has been sort of focusing more on junior development as well. And that's so it's eventually. I think it's um, they're definitely you know seen as one of the um, one of the premier clubs in the league. I think I think it's understood that you know Morton Bay are flying under the radar. I think they're definitely under in everyone's uh, sights. No, I think there is one club flying under the radar, and that is the Sunshine Coast Wanderers, two-one winners wow. over Logan Light. And we'll talk about their position on the table later on in a minute, Adam. But it's a good result away from home, isn't it? Oh look, absolutely for for Sunshine Coast Wanderers to go on the road and get all three points—that's that's an excellent result for them. Um, yeah, then you're right. They're definitely a side that um, that uh, are flying under the radar because yo, know, I would dare say that in his was dreams. And I spoke to Paul Arneson in our um, pre-season our season preview. Uh, yeah, he was he would have been just happy to sort of be safe. Be, be safe and um, sort of you know, contending, but uh, to be sitting in fifth at round 16, that's, um, yeah, here, take that. I'll, I'll, Paul, your team is safe. I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> it's fair to say that at this point, they're most certainly safe. The other results quickly, we'll go through these very quickly, Adam. Eastern Suburbs 2 0 over Redlands United, Gold Coast Knights 5 1 over Magpies, and Capalaba 1 0 over the Brisbane Strikers. Which all just compounds the pr- the troubles for the bottom three, doesn't it? There's a now an eight point gap between Capalabar and they're not and they're near and not so dear neighbours Redlands, and that's a that's a pretty big gap. Yeah, that's that's becoming to the point of unmanageable for the three bottom clubs. Uh, eight eight point gap. Uh, it's going to take you know something like a Capalabar or a Gold Coast United. Gold Coast United have a stack of games up there. You know, and we'll talk about that in the, on the ladder position shortly. But um, yeah, it's going to take and it's going to take a monumental collapse from one of those clubs for you know even for Redlands or Strikers or Magpies. Yeah, I dare say their their fates are almost sealed. It's it does look it does look a little ominous at the moment. We'll go through the table now. Peninsula Power they were idle this weekend. Their game against Gold Coast United was postponed, so. They're still yet to play a, play a full match against Gold Coast United this season. Hopefully, they might be able to get that done in the not-too-distant future. We'll have to wait and see. But they do still lead the league, obviously, on 42 points. They are 10 points clear of the Brisbane Raw Academy. Gold Coast Knights are back up into third. Olympic down to fourth this week on 28 points. They're 
Then you've got Sunshine Coast also on 28 points. And you've got Moreton Bay in sixth on 27. You've got Lions, Logan, East, Gold Coast United, and Capalabar. And then there is an eight-point gap from Capalabar down to Redlands, Magpies, and the Brisbane Strikers. But we'll focus on this this looming battle for fourth, Adam, between oh, third and fourth between Gold Coast Knights, Olympic, Sunshine Coast, and Moreton Bay. And you can throw Lions into that discussion if you want. There's five teams there with only a couple of games between them. It's a very tight battle in there, in those positions. See who's going to join Peninsula Power on the Roar, probably in the finals. Yeah, I think that's actually probably the most encouraging sign as far as, you know, you know, I guess drama heading into the final weeks of the regular season is that all of a sudden we've gone from a closed shop top four to where, you know, we've got five clubs playing for pro two spots. And look, I would even say that Raw at the moment probably wouldn't class themselves as safe, What? Although that would be a remarkable reversal in form um, for uh, for them if they were to get in trouble, because the way they're playing at the moment, they they look like they'll probably you know, yeah, they could almost be playing a home final. Well, we don't know where it's going to be, but uh, but uh, yeah, they they they're going along well in second. But it's it's but it just shows as well how dominant Peninsula Power are. That yeah, you know, they've got they've got two games in hand. They they take they could could go sixteen points clear. Once those games are are completed, so we're not not saying the Gold Coast are going to um, like I said, Gold Coast, yeah, you know, the, the most likely Zega probably lose both those games, but um, but who knows? Uh, especially especially depending on when and whether you know, the focus shifts for Peninsula Power, because as as we know, they've got um, they've got FFA Cup to worry about against Brisbane Raw in August, so maybe that might be a chance for Gold Coast United. When that game we played, uh, perhaps to steal some cheeky points because uh, of uh, other priorities for potential power. You did mention it for the government. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So yeah. we'll, on the fly, we'll, I will insert that into this show here, but because it is focusing on member federation clubs. But before we do that, I think back to our season preview, Adam, and we were talking about could anybody break into the top four? Well, right now there is a. You can say it's an unlikely scenario, but there is a scenario where it might not be one team that breaks it. It could be two. Which is yeah. I I I struggled to see anybody breaking into it to be honest in our, in my predictions to start the year, but it seems like it, it seems like the raw look look like they're going to be in the in the top four. We'll have to wait and see, but there could be a Sunshine Coast or a Morton Bay in that discussion as well, which I think is fantastic. You mentioned we've seen the same four teams in the top four the last couple of years, and it's been fantastic seeing them there. But to see a, a different team this year, I think would be really good, and I think we're going to see that. Well, theoretically as well, it could even be three. Um, let's let's not forget Sunshine Coast. I, I I look, I can't see both Gold Coast Knights and Olympic both faltering, but the but the um the chances are there. Uh, like I said, if especially if there's a couple of wins against the grain, Olympic um they seem to defensively they're very very they're still very very sound. Um, it's just they seem to be struggling to put teams away, especially they're around them. Um, like so they can't keep you know, having situations where they're dropping points. Um, you know, home or away, you know, against the sides around them because otherwise they're going to be sort of. In trouble. I think both those sides, I think, will be okay. But um, yeah, theoretically, you could almost have three teams that are going that two, three new teams in the final series, and even Lions. You know, they're they're they've got a bit of work to do to catch up. But if they go on a run as well, they may as well. So we could go from one to, to three teams, and I think that's going to be a fascinating race 
come come the uh, back end of the season. Absolutely. Now we we did you did tease we were going to the FFA Cup and we'll, the three ties I'm sure everyone's seen them. Peninsula Power will host the Brisbane Raw. You got Lions hosting Casarina FC from from football Northern Territory, and then you've got Gold Coast Knights making a trip to Edge Hill. Three pretty good ties there, Adam. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think Lions as well. I think they'd be pretty happy with um, getting Casarina. Uh, like I so said, we don't know too much about them. We're obviously going to learn a bit about them, their story, and obviously as well, we'll sort of do some study on on them in the next few weeks uh, about you know how yeah you know, how good they are, how good they can be. Uh, but you expect Lions at Lions Stadium, despite sort of you know their struggles in the NPL Queensland. Uh, you expect them to get the job done. Uh, look, Gold Coast Knights against Edge Hill. Look, yeah, Gold Coast Knights will start favourites, but uh, look, Edge Hill at home, you just you don't know what what they're capable of. But um, yeah, potential power in Brisbane Raw. Now that's uh, that's blockbuster stuff, and um, it's I think across uh, across the whole country as far as you know the whole draw. I think this is one of, one of three games that has been you know, pinpointed as you know, a big game as far as you know, the round of 32. And I would expect that it will be a very, very good crowd um, you know, on a August weekend at Dolphin Stadium. Yes, very much looking forward to the Redcliffe Derby. We'll have to see what happens in that game in a couple of weeks' time. And I will quiz you, actually, now you've, done, now you've said you're going to do some research on Casarina. FC, so I'll be quizzing in the next couple of weeks on that. So, you, so you're on notice now to make sure you do your homework well. Well, we are no, talking we'll... about knockout football. Before we move on to NPL Women's, we will talk about the fact that it is um, Kappa Women's Super Cup quarterfinal weekend. Next weekend, you've got South United hosting Logan Lightning, Western Pride v Maruchidor, Kapalaba v Lions, and Brothers Townsville hosting Central FC. So we're getting down to the last eight in the cup now, and there's a couple of really good matchups there. Yeah, uh, Kapalaba v Lions at Max Haynes on Saturday night. That while while Lions um, are absolutely streaking the field in the um, in the league, and we'll, um, we'll talk about that shortly uh, when we do our MPLW wrap up. Um, yeah, look, cup football again. It's it's a funny beast, and look, you never know. Um, I still expect Lions to win. I expect them to win it all, if I if I'm being honest, but. Um, Look, I reckon Capalaba might be worth giving a scare, especially if they can get their full entire entire squad on the park on Saturday night. It's a very experienced side, Capalaba. I've got. I did lose four nil at Lions Stadium back in April, so they'll be looking to do better than that at home. But it's a very experienced side who can certainly spring. What if you want to call it an upset? It would be. They've certainly got the talent to do that. We'll have to wait and see what happens. I'm very much looking forward to that game next Saturday evening. We'll move on to. The aforementioned MPLW, Adam, where there was almost a full round of fixtures played. There were a couple, oh, there were three postponements actually. You had Thunder and Morton Bay, Virginia, Logan, and East Brisbane City were all postponed due to the weather, but there were there were five games played. And we'll start with the game which we did cover on our on our social media platform. Sunshine Coast Wanderers made the trip to Walton Bridge Reserve and came away with a 4-0 win over the gap. And it was not too undeserved either. And they left the goals late. To put the game away, signs of Coast Wanderers, but for the most part, they were really, really impressive. Yeah, look, um, first time we've covered Sunshine Coast Wanderers um, on our coverage, and look, I, 
I go away actually quite impressed with them. Um, look, I thought both the um, Scarf sisters, uh, Chelsea and Tiffy Scarf, who both uh, timed in with goals, uh, I thought they were, they were very good up front. And uh, their new recruit, Chanel Harris, as well, uh, scored two late goals. So they... Um, they, they go all right. Um, Cassie Bowman out at the back. She she does well marshalling um, marshalling that, that side. It's a relatively unknown side. Cause I'd say it's like it's the best of the Sunshine Coast Premier League from last season. But look for what it's worth. Uh, they they will be worth watching um, because they're probably at the moment in the box seat to grab that seventh spot in MPL. This uh, you know for after the split, and I'd say that they probably deserve it. Absolutely, and Chanel Harris, three goals in two games. A very astute mid-season pickup from the Sunshine Coast Premier League there, without a doubt. Potentially pushing for a start, given both all those goals came off the bench. Have to wait and see what happens in their their final game of the this part of the regular season anyway against Peninsula Power, but have to wait and see on that. Elsewhere in MPL Women's Round 17 action, Kapalabar 6, Peninsula Power 0, Gold Coast United 2, Olympic FC 0. South United to QAS nil and Western Pride scored against the Lions, Adam. They just conceded six. Yeah, 91st minute uh, goal for Megan McGallagher, which was a very, very well taken goal. It was. But that, uh, that goal ends a very, very long streak. And um, speaking to uh, Lions general manager of football, uh, Rob Scanlon, this afternoon, um, I couldn't think of a, you know, a a longer streak in any sort of football, but uh, this this women lines uh, lines women's side they've they've had they have not conceded a goal since the twenty fourth of April, and in that run they have scored seventy eight goals without reply seventy in the league, um, and had not been breached for. 994 minutes, 904 in, in the league. Um, the one the one outlier is their 8-0 win over the gap in the round of 16 of the Kappa Super Cup. So 994 minutes without conceding a goal. So that's that's a, remark, that's a remarkable feat. Um, look, uh, I think that uh, they would be probably the best women's team in the country. Uh, I know South Melbourne and the MPL women's Victoria may have something to say about that, but we've got half a side of um, W League players as well, so that may not count. So, so yeah, but uh, yeah, look, that's an impressive, that's an impressive feat. And um, look, uh, it's very hard to say anything other than that you'd expect them to probably go on with the job and uh, they'll, they'll win, they'll win the league. And it's very hard to see them uh, not winning the. Uh, Super Cup or the um, or the Grand Final from here. That all remains. To see. I would very much like to see that match. If there's any way Football Australia or MPL or whoever can put on something similar to the MPL Final Series where we get the best of each state in the MPL, I'd love to see that because I think that matchup between Lions and South Melbourne, if there's ever a way to make that happen in a competitive fixture, could be absolutely fascinating. But I think you're right. It's a fantastic defensive record that Lions have had, and the good thing from them is if there is a good Thing about this record ending, it's that it was a it took a wonder strike from it from 25 yards to beat them. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a sloppy goal. It was one of those one of those really great strikes that you just got to tip your cap to. And it's a it is a really solid defense. Everyone talks about the front third. Shea Connors has scored 30 goals. You've got Amy Gunston and Marielle Hecker and Tegan Riding all up there in the top 10 of goals of in the Golden Boot race. So 
everyone focuses on that end of the field, but you're right, the defensive unit, and it is a unit, it's not one individual or two, it's the whole back fo- back five, including the goalkeeper. They do an unbelievable job. Yeah, look, and uh, Holly McQueen and uh, Karen Clough, especially in that, in them who've pretty much played the whole time, uh, throw in Tegan Thompson um, as well. And I'm, I can't think of who the other. Uh, Danny Wood. <laughs> Danny Ward, of course. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, look, and, and also as well, even uh, Georgia Rink has also as well contributed where they'll sort of, when Rob Askew was sort of cycling as well. So I would say it's more than just those players as well, but it's it's been, again, it defensively is a team effort. And uh, and yeah, look, uh, this, is a, this is a very, very um, good team. You say what you want about the opposition, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And this is just a remarkable um, performance. So a very tip of the cap of this side. It is, and after 16 games, they've got 46 points out of a maximum of 48. Just the one draw at Mitchelton. They are 10 points clear of South United in second, who've also played all their games. Kapalabar in third on 35. Gold Coast United have one game left to play. They're on 34 points, so they could jump as high as second on the table. Then you've got Moreton Bay in sixth, in fifth, I beg your pardon. Eastern Suburbs in sixth on 25. And then Sunshine Coast Wanderers, in seventh place currently on 24 points. That's where the league is splits at this point. There is still games to be played. We'll talk about those in a minute. Adam, but you've got, after that, you've got Olympic in eighth on 23, Western Pride in, in ninth on 21, and you've got the QAS on 20, Brisbane City 17, Virginia 16, Logan 14, Mitchelton 14, The Gap 12, Thunder on two, and Peninsula Power on one. Now, before we talk about the ramifications of which games matter in terms of deciding the final outcome of the top seven, Adam, let's we'll explain this to people who don't have, aren't fully across it. It's the top seven teams on the table plus the QAS, correct? Yep. Yes. So at the moment, that is that is that Sunshine Coast Wanderers, East Morton Bay, Gold Coast, Capalaba, South, and Lions in ascending order from seventh to first. There are some games to be played which will which will potentially change that outcome. So Sunshine Coast Wanderers have a game to play. Olympic have a game to play. To play Western Pride have a, have games to play. And East have two games to play. So do you want to take us through those games and which ones to keep an eye on in the next couple of days, which will potentially be decisive in deciding who makes the stays in the NPL and who helps form the new FQPLW? Yeah, look, um, it's pretty much uh, at the moment we've got we've got a list of eight games that are to be played um, to wrap up the 17 round or 16 16 games. Um, look, and uh, but I think the games that matter the most at the moment is I think East are going to be uh, with their two games in the hand. They're going that's going to be determined because they, even though they sit in six, they're still in danger, especially if they are to lose both games to uh, the Gap and Brisbane City, who are both have been eliminated. Uh, both are probably look they're, they're capable, but also as well, East are just as capable of you know winning both those games. Uh, Brisbane City Olympic is going to be that, that's to be played. Sorry, East Gap is to be played on Tuesday night, thirteenth of July. Um, then uh, Virginia United Western Pride also on this this Tuesday. That's a big game. Western Pride need to win, and uh, also as well, Olympic and Brisbane City, which we played on Wednesday night. That's a must-win game for Olympic as well because. 
Sunshine Coast Wanderers at the moment in seventh place. They they have a game this Tuesday night as well, but they play Peninsula Power at home, who Peninsula Power are currently in last. So you'd expect that that's going to be three points for Sunshine Coast Wanderers, and that that will probably be enough to see them qualify. So it's um it's it's going to be. I think in fact that we'll talk about off air before is that the hopes of of both um. Who are we looking at? Sorry, we're looking at Western Pride and Olympic may actually rely on um, East dropping games against the gap, uh, dropping points against the gap and uh, Brisbane City because it looks like it's going to be um, Sunshine Coast Wanderers that are going to finish in, at least they're going to finish in, the fo- in that top seven by virtue of the fact that they'll beat, um, that they should beat Peninsula Power on Tuesday night. Well, we did talk about this off air and we, I think we confused ourselves to no end going through all the potential ramifications. Basically, Western Pride need to win or they're uh, eliminated from, from the um, the top seven race. Olympic need to, so Western Pride need to beat Virginia for them to have any chance of going through. Olympic need to beat Brisbane City. If Sunshine Coast Wanderers can beat beat Peninsula Power, which to your point, I think is a, is a, they're a good chance of doing so. That eliminates Western Pride immediately. Regardless of what they do, if the Wanderers win. Pride cannot make it from that point. East have got two games to play. They need to pick up at least one win in those two games to guarantee safety. Even Morton Bay are not technically safe on 26. It could. It's very unlikely, but if Olympic were to win their game and the goal difference goes in their favour, it could swing towards Morton Bay potentially missing out. So there's five teams, Adam. Morton Bay, East, Sunshine Coast Wanderers, Olympic, and Western Pride. Who's missing oh. out? Well, I was going to say it won't be Morton Bay, I wouldn't think, because they have Southwest Queensland Thunder in their last game. So a bit and like they only, and they only need a point. Yeah, you, I, I'd be stunned if they if they uh, if they lost to Southwest Queensland Thunder. And look, without uh, without insulting too many people, um, if they lost to Southwest Queensland Thunder, they probably don't deserve to be playing uh, MPL, unfortunately. But but uh, look, they should get the job done. I'm pretty confident of that. Yeah, look, I, I honestly think that it. I think it's going to be Olympic that will miss out. Unfortunately, I think if and that's and that's only by virtue of the fact is that I think um, when it comes to results, you know, hoping for results to go against the grain, I think there's probably too much going on against uh, both Olympic and Western Pride as far as hoping for results uh, to go their way for them to qualify. I think you know, it's going to be as the top seven stand at the moment is going to be who plays in the MPL um, uh, from the 24th of July, which is uh, the first round after the um, after the break. Yeah, it's very hard to argue with that. I mean, the Sunshine Coast, East and Morton Bay, their matches that they have to play are eminently manageable and they only need to get one result in those games to secure their safety in the top half. And I agree with you. I think that Olympic might get a result against Brisbane City. They probably will. I think Western probably get a result against Virginia. I just think ultimately... It's not quite going to be enough for those two sides. They might be starting starting life in the FQPLW. We'll have to wait and see on that. There's anything can happen in football, as you know, Adam. We'll move yeah, on exactly. to FQPL round 15, where there were four out of five games played. The Thunder and Holland Park Hawks will have to be caught up at a later date due to a postponement due to wet weather out there in Toowoomba. But in the games which were played, Western Pride 4, Wynnum Wolves 0, Brisbane City 4, South United 2, Sunshine Coast 0, Southside Eagles turn a game which we covered 
on Saturday night in our coverage, Rochdale Rovers 2, Mitchelton 0. An early goal needed out from Ole Dinkakahinde was enough, but what did you make of it? Because I thought Mitchelton had more than enough opportunity in this game to get something out of it. It just didn't quite fall for them. Yeah, look, uh, um, yeah, the result would suggest that Rochdale had a um, it was a comfortable win for him. But look, Mitchelton, to their credit, they tried. It just it just didn't fall for him. Um, look, uh, Shiro Kubiyama, you know, he tried and tried as he might might have. He was sort of you know, you know, kept sort of you know quiet in a way. But um, yeah, look, Rochdale, I think they bounced back and showed you know that they, they're still you know a yeah, a force to reckon with in FQPL, but I think you know consistency as far as or the fact is that uh, Brisbane City just look like they're absolutely yeah, invincible at the moment at that level. I think it's just going to probably do them in in the end. It looks that way at the moment. On Rochdale, they've got a style. It's a little bit transitioning in terms of they like to win the ball back and get the ball forward quickly, and you can see why they would do that with Ole Dinkakahinde. Up front, he's a handful with his pace running in behind, and it seems like his move from Olympic to Rochdale is agree with not just him, but it's also really benefiting Rochdale. Yeah, look, I think it's it's a tough one. I think that uh, yeah, the style that Olympic Pro sort of play probably didn't suit him and what he does. Whereas I think uh, he he fits uh, Rochdale to a T. I think that like Rochdale have got um, look. I actually think they've actually this is probably a bold statement, but it. For player for player attacking wise, they've probably actually got a more potent uh, attacking you know, line than probably Brisbane City. Um, it probably doesn't show on sort of on the statistics at the moment, which probably shows that they're, they're probably underperforming as far as you know as sort of goal scoring goes. But look on paper, you know they've, they've got a, they've got a very very good attack. So so yeah, look, it's just it's just a pity that I think that you know Brisbane City it just you know seems to be a level above, but also as well that you know they dropped sort of some unfortunate points when they probably shouldn't have. You know, I think this the uh, drop points of Southside Eagles, especially, I think that's going to come back to haunt as far as you know why they didn't um, why they didn't sort of um, stay in touch with uh, with uh, Brisbane City. Absolutely. Well, how about score Brisbane City for now? 43 goals to 40, but Brisbane City do have two go- two games in hand, so you'd have to say that by the time those games are played, Brisbane City probably will have scored at least three goals in their time. But anyway, Brisbane City lead the league on 36 points from 12 games played. They are five points clear of the nearest change of Road Sorrows on 31. Then you've got Thunder on 27, Western Pride on 22. There's a fair old gap back to Southside Eagles in fifth place on 16 points. And you've got Ipswich Knights 14, Mitchelton 13, South United 12, Sunshine Coast, 10. Wynnum Wolves, 10. Holland Park. Hawks rounding out the table on eight. And that mid-pack is actually becoming a, a bit of an interesting battle now in FQPL 1, Adam, when you move away from the top four. Yeah, look, I'd say that, you know, away from the top four, the rest are all in danger of uh, of relegation. Um, even Holland Park Hawks, who are bottom of the pack at the moment, um, They've got games in hand, and look, they they can possibly, you know, one or two wins against you know against the grain. All of a sudden, you know, it's South and Mitchelton uh, who are in danger. So even look, Southside Eagles are going are travelling along all right, but even only eight points, you know, from the bottom, even they they're still sort of you know in 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 sort of you know. They're not, they're not, well, I wouldn't say they're comfortable at the moment. I think that's still that they'd be looking over their shoulder. Um, yeah, two wins above the relegation zone. Yeah, well, they're two wins above the relegation zone and they're two wins 
outside the top four. So they're smack bang right between the two of them. So the definition of a mid-table team, I'd say. Absolutely. Now, one place where there's not too many mid-table teams is the League of Goals, or as it's more officially known, FQPL2. And what have we got? Ten, six to 16 goals across three games this week, Adam. So it's, that's, it's, that's about average, isn't it, for FQPL2? Look, Kapulcha, 10, Kumara Colts, nil. <laughs> North Star 2, Sanford Rangers 1, Turinga Rovers 3, Magic United nil, Virginia and Grange was postponed. And those three results pretty much as you would expect, wasn't it? Three teams in and around the top four of FQPL 2 at home and they all took advantage of, of home matches. Yeah, look, uh, it pretty much, but uh, it pretty much is, you know, as they were as far as the form guy goes, Kabulcha 10. Ooh, it's... Uh... That's a um, a big win. I've got, I know Kumra are not great, but uh, yeah, uh, a double digit scoreline. Um, they I think they really enjoyed uh, the wind uh, up at up at um, up at you know, Morton Morton Central on Saturday night because uh, yeah, from what I saw, there were a number of set piece goals and they they just seem to be just there there. I think they're there pretty much as well, like their other their fellow league leaders across the other grades. I think they they could be thinking about life in the, in a higher division next season because uh, they they look like the ones at the moment. Well, they are, do have an eight point lead over Grand Sissel, thirty four plays twenty six. You got Turinga and uh, Turinga and North Star running at the top four, and then there's a fair old gap to the to the rest. So there it seems like there is a bit of a pecking order being established in the FQPL two at the moment, Adam. Yeah, it is, and it's probably no no surprise. Uh, at the end of the day, um, I believe. Just sorry, just going back to the postponements. Uh, Taringa and Kabulta do have to play each other, and they'll be played on July twenty seven. I think if Kabulta wins that, I think you almost can crown them the um, the premiers. So I think that that's probably that's probably the last hurdle as far. And even that, I don't know if even if Taringa were to spring an upset at Jack Spear Park. That, that would even be enough to sort of to, to hold. It might be just a minor speed bump on the uh, road to the premiership. You're all for coronating things, though. You've, you've coronated Peninsula Power, so they're going to win the NPL. You've said Lions will win the NPL women. City will win FQPL1. Kabulcha will win FPL2. You've just, just decided who's going to win everything. You're, well, while you're doing that, then you're cor- coronating things, who is your performer of the week? Uh, look, at form of the week, I only discovered it uh, probably minutes before we came on air because this week was also the week of goals being scored in less than a minute. Uh, to start, we you mentioned uh, Ole Dinka Kahinde, who took 48 seconds to score uh, against Mitchelton on Saturday night. And we thought that was uh, bettered by... Um, sorry, Rebecca who was Kirkup. the... Yeah, so uh, yeah, Beck Kirkup at uh, Briggs Road, who scored in, uh, was it 20? 28 seconds. 28 seconds. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm leaning to this. But that was uh, trumped this afternoon by Jacinta Sullivan from South, from South United, who scored in seven seconds against QAS this afternoon at Wakeley Park. And when you can score in seven, within second seconds of kickoff, that's a performer of the week. It is. It is. To add extra context to that, number one, QAS kicked off as well, so they had to win the ball back before <laughs> they scored the goal. And it was also a really, really well-taken finish, so you got mm. full credit for the finish as well. But you're a bit stiff if you're a Beck Kirkup or Ole Dinka Kahinde, isn't it? You oh. score inside the first yeah. minute, and you can't even claim scoring the fastest goal of the weekend. So oh, that's a great shout. For me, 
I'll give it to. I'm going with Eli Adams. I thought, he, as I said earlier in the show, I thought he was unplayable for the Raw today against Lions FC, and he's he's almost an unheralded member of that front that everyone focused on. Alex Parsons, what he did, progressing to the A League, doing really well at that level. Cyrus Demi, the second leading goal scorer in the NPL and the Raw's top scorer for the year. But Eli Adams has had a really good year. Got his own moment late in the A-League season to get the debut. I think he, he looks a really, really good young player in some way that the Raw can, can and I think probably will give more opportunity to this year, Adam. And so, to me, he's my performer of the week. Yeah, look, it's a, and again, it's a case of next man up. I think we said it about six weeks ago that, you know, when... Alex Parsons left, Cyrus Demi had to step up. He did that. He then got an opportunity you know, for, for some regular time with the senior squad. Then we said Eli Adams had to step up. And now I think we are starting to see him step up into that role. And then you look then, I think then you turn to someone like a Brandon McMorrow, who's probably, the, I reckon he's probably the next one up. Um, who will probably now start benefiting, you know, from Eli Adams, you know, sort of, you know, really you know, going that next level. So this is just an amazing uh, performance. It shows how well that the the academy is going at the raw at the moment, the philosophies they're put in place, and sort of just the efforts because it's just a rolling production line at the moment. That's and that's that's got to be exciting for the future of Brisbane Raw. It's also exciting for the future of Quinto football. A lot of really good young players performing at a high level, and not all of them. At the Raw, by the way, there's a whole lot of great young mm. talent performing around around the state, male and female, and we'll be looking forward to seeing them play once again next weekend. Adam, for now, the, thanks for joining me once again. Yep, thanks, Scott. Thank you. That, that will wrap up this edition of the Brisbane Footballers NPL Sunday Show. We'll be back once again next weekend to recap all the Kappa, Kappa Women's Super Cup quarterfinal action, along with all the regular league action. So we'll talk to you once again next weekend.